Welcome to the War Podcast. Hi, welcome to the War Podcast. Um, today I have a very special guest. I'm going to allow her to introduce herself, but as always, I will um, say that we are here on the War Podcast to give multiple sides of the war story, um, and more specifically, sides of the war story from people who have lived it, from people who have experienced it, and people whose lives have been affected by it. Um, and rather than thinking of war as just a word, this helps us understand that war is really um, an element that can change lives um, to an extent that um, is immeasurable by just a word. So if you don't mind introducing yourself, Hafsa Salam Mina Jan. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, okay, let me introduce myself. My name is Hafsa Isa. Uh, actually, I was born and raised in an educated family in Kabul, Afghanistan. Uh, soon after I was born, uh, uh, we had to flee the country and we went to Pakistan as a refugee and lived there for almost 11 years. So after um, US invasion in 2001, we came back to Afghanistan. Uh, we continue, I, I continued school. Uh, and I was lucky to went outside of Afghanistan to study. And uh, then I was able to work in different NGOs and different projects in United Nations and uh, use it projects uh, in Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. And um, you know, you talked about how your family had to flee. And of course, as we can imagine, this is, this is the second time that you've experienced that. So in that first time, um, returning to Afghanistan, and I hope there will be a second time returning to Afghanistan, but in the first time returning, what was that like for you? How old were you? And how did that feel to be uh, coming to Afghanistan from, from where you had grown up? You know, the first time there was actually no feelings attached because I was very... Uh, I was very young when I left. I mean, maybe I was three, four years old. So wow. when I came back and I was like 13, 14 years old. So you can imagine, uh, I was I was not in the country for a very long time. So I didn't have any any feelings, which I have now. Yeah. Back then, my I, I, I'm sure my mom and my dad they had to face all the things and they had arranged. So actually, we were I was going to school in Islamabad, so things were quite different for me. And when I came back to Afghanistan, actually, I was feeling that it's not my home. Yeah, yeah, it was very it was very difficult for me to be back. Home. Yeah, as any any um. Anyone that age, you know, you have your yeah. circle of friends, you have your routines, and it's so different. And I think although those are two neighboring countries, that people think of it as, you know, similar in, in day-to-day life, it really isn't. And when we came back in 2002, actually, Kabul was quite different. And uh, I remember, I, I, I used to live in Kartichar, so... I remember there was just one tree in the entire street where I lived, you know, and I could see mountains. 
and you know it was very different very different landscape for me uh but yeah in the last 20 years everything has changed in Kabul you can see things are not the same as 2002 right now people yeah. have changed and the infrastructure of course a lot more trees in Kartichar now yeah exactly <laughs> it's so green now <laughs> the homes, yeah yeah um, so you know you you had this returning to Afghanistan and yeah definitely I, I these changes you grew with those changes and it looks like in the process of this you made a choice to be involved in human rights and helping others and sort of speaking up for others what made you what made you want to enter that kind of space uh you know I was raised by a very patriot father so I think it's it had a huge role uh, uh, like on my life to work on human rights and helping others. Actually, my father always used to tell us that it's important or even obligatory for each of us to serve our country. Uh, he always uh, gave example of himself that he, he studied abroad, but he had to turn back because he used uh, poor people's money, uh, like the government has used poor people's money on his education. So he always told us, like, uh, if you do not have the love for your country and for your people, then you have a problem in your faith. So you're, it's like you're a faithless person. So I think that really affected us so, to think of uh, helping our people. Right. So the obligation was part of yes. your upbringing. You really felt like this was something you need to do. Is there a memory of yourself, like your 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 personal sort of journey into where you think like, I remember that moment made me feel, uh, or even not a moment, just an experience that made you really attached to human rights and to the work you do? Uh, actually, you know, in Afghanistan, it's always you always see uh, victims of human rights. If if it is you know women, or even if the if you can see children, you can actually we also had uh, people who were affected by all these you know with, uh, people who were affected by the war. Yeah. So I think. That really made me to start thinking or start acting on uh, working on human rights. Okay. And yeah. even before working on human rights, I was working for women's rights. So. Okay. So yeah. there's, a, there's a particular passion you have for working with exactly. women. Exactly. Exactly. But my my passion was mainly women's rights. Okay. Always had the feeling that women are vulnerable in this society, and my father used to tell me, "Women are vulnerable. Women are vulnerable. You have to get education, because women are vulnerable in this society, and you have to uh, stand on your feet because women are vulnerable." I, I know that this kind of upbringing has both advantages and disadvantages. You know, you always tell your, your child, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. But I think it 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 really uh, affects affected me back then. Yeah, that's that's wonderful because it really um, makes it feel natural for you 
to do to do that. And um, you know, you brought up war and how people are affected by war. Of course, women included. Um, when you move back, you know, the year two thousand one is or two thousand two around that time when people were moving back. It's because of the idea that okay, things are definitely safer for us, and including opportunities for you as a woman that to that I'm sure you're family took into consideration you can study you can work etc so post taliban yes but still there was a sense of insecurity there was a sense of um violence continuing with um in in the environment of afghanistan and in living in kobol um how did that affect you coming from you know growing up without that and suddenly having security be a part of your daily life as well now you know in Kabul I always used to say that we have had so many cases and we are experiencing a lot around us so even it's kind of normal for us you know we and sometimes I was telling that I'm not a sensitive person anymore I became so insensitive and I was telling to all my friends that but like is it Things are getting normalized for us. Is this war normal? Really too much normal or or we have an issue here. So I always, at the first, yeah, I've been, uh, I heard some cases where my friends are, were affected. Uh, I really felt terrible. Yeah. Then after years, I think we used, we used to live with that and we accepted the, that situation. And no matter what, every day we were waking up and we were like going to work, even though we were we were not feeling secure, but still there were there were hope, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the commitment to um the people around you sometimes helps you not worry. It helps you just think you have to keep going because you're uh you're I think you're seeing people who need all different kinds of help. So the war becomes almost in the background instead of the exactly. main exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's, um, can, you, can you tell us about like uh, the work you did with women? Uh, actually, I've worked in different projects, uh, helping women. Uh, I helped in the women uh, who were directly uh, victims of violence. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I think that that was one of the work which always traumatized me too, because when you are working with those women, yeah. somehow you have uh, you are carrying their uh, you know trauma too. Yeah. Uh, so that's actually i think i still remember some of the cases and i i get goosebumps you know and i'm like oh my god what what was going on back home right. uh so yeah i was helping women uh, to i was helping them to get some mental health support actually i was not giving them mental health but i was trying to connect them with right uh, relevant departments and I was uh, uh, getting their cases and I was uh, advocating for them mm. uh, with the government officials. 
because I was seeing that how government officials are neglecting the yeah. cases, especially with the women. You know, you know the entire system, the uh, first responders of violence against women. Uh, so you can imagine how things were there. Like, I really don't want to talk about it now. <laughs> yeah. So I was advocating also for their rights. And I was also working with government officials to kind of sensitize them with these uh, women's rights situation. And also I will, we were teaching them laws, how like uh, the national and international laws, how uh, the, these mechanisms should work. Okay. Okay. And I mean, I can imagine there is, I mean, it starts negative. So I know that a lot of it stays negative because the, uh, the processes that are meant to help people in, in those situations are not, if they were perfect, we would be happy, but they're not perfect. So I know there's a lot of like negative um, memories we all have when we are trying to help because uh, the networks that are supposed to support us, they don't always. So let's put that aside and and maybe if you could share with us, like some of the really satisfying or good memories that you might have of um, somebody's life getting better from that support. Uh, I really want to talk about a particular case that uh, once I went to, uh, I really don't want to talk about the province, but I went to a detention center in a particular province. Okay. Uh, actually, the girl's age was uh, 17 years old. So she was in the uh, juvenile rehabilitation center. Okay. I saw her situation and I saw how uh, the government officials are neglecting her case. And I was, I really didn't understand what's going on. Mm. But luckily in Afghanistan, we had organizations who were working for uh, women and uh, is particularly I uh, I shared her case and I, I, I actually I asked her permission because you know uh, because of the confidentiality and other stuff mm -hmm. I uh, shared her case with with government with not just with government officials but also with the United Nations agencies working for uh, children and also uh, uh, NGOs. Right. were working and luckily that girl got uh, uh, a lawyer and she was her case was represented in the court and luckily she uh, luckily she had to go out of this you know detention center and whenever I remember about the, that child I always wish her luck and I, I I'm sure she's not in detention center, which was, you know, in Afghan society, it's a big stigma. If yes, you're, of course. If you're 17 years old and you go to a detention center, and she was engaged, unfortunately, at that age. So, yeah, I always remember her face and I, the way she was crying. But, yeah, when she was out, she called me and she thanked me. And I will always remember her. Yeah. And the impact that you had, you know, as much as so many um, are remain in, in bad conditions or they go from one bad condition to another. And I completely understand that it can be too much for some people. So for you to make that choice that you remember her and you think about someone that it had an impact on, I think it's, it's really commendable because um, I think a lot of people need 
a lot of success stories in order to keep moving forward. And I know that when you choose that line of work, working with women affected by violence in Afghanistan, that unfortunately there's not a lot of success stories. So I just, I commend you a lot for that. And in, in, you know, besides work sort of just now you were someone living in Afghanistan, right? Like this be, this was now home and, um, you know, would you, can you tell us a bit about, you know, your, your connection to Afghanistan, like despite the war, despite the difficulties, despite like, what did you, um, what were your hopes for the country? Wow. You know, like 20, 21 years, it's a very long time to have the connection. It's a very long time. And especially when you have your home there, mm -hmm. uh, especially when you have your mom, your brother, everyone, your sister, everyone around you, you can see them, how they work hard for their future. And like Afghanistan was not just a connection, it was it was a hope, not because I used to live there. It's it was it's because my family used to live there, my parents, my grandparents. So every like we were so much connected in our hometown, you know. Yeah. Even thinking about it, what happened, how we have to leave the country, you know. Because in that situation, we didn't have any other option but just to leave. A lot of people wonder about that. They think like, well, why did you have to leave then? It's not so bad. And, you know, how do you how do you respond to that when people think mm, you just I hear this so often, you know, that it wasn't a must. But, you know, to many people, it was. How do you feel about that? Well, I. It's, I know I people ask me this question, too, that. Back then, we didn't have any other option because we didn't know what, what what's going to happen tomorrow, you know? Yeah. No one was sure about their future. And I personally, uh, I was I was working for human rights. It was, it was yeah. you know, the insurgents, they always didn't like us. Yeah. So for me, my, my mom, pushed me to leave. Actually, it was not difficult for me. It was very difficult for me to leave my mom behind. Right. But my mom pushed me so hard and she was like forcing me. She was putting pressure. No, if you can leave, you you should leave. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes it's not just your decision. You know, you have to, you have to take decision for your loved ones too. So my decision of leaving was basically to make sure that I'm not giving more stress to my mom on that situation. So you had your family to consider, but also very specifically, your job was something that, you know, people are coming into power who don't believe in what you do, who very exactly. much criticize what you do. And then on top of that, you are a woman. So you're, you know, you're, you're against their beliefs just from that alone. So um, by no means do I think that there was, another option for you either. So I hope that you don't hold that as um, as a you know, debatable decision. It, it wasn't you who made that decision. I think that um, the decision mm, was inevitable because there was no safe space for you anymore. As a woman, as someone who works in what you worked in, um, so many people 
are questioned for that, but logically, just based on who's in power now, you had no other choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do hope that you get to go back. Would you go back if you could? I think, you know, I have to. <laughs> I'm just making sure. I always assume. <laughs> I don't want to project my own feelings on. Um, let's say in a year from now, you know, things were different. Of course, I would. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, um, you're in Canada now. What has adjusting been like? Actually, it's not easy. Even though people are nice here, I know I'm so grateful. You know, everyone is nice. You know, it's full of immigrants, refugees. You know, especially Toronto. Everyone is like has a connection with immigration or you know refugee or some people came to work here. Just you know, but it's easy. Because I also have my sister here, so yeah, right. so still it's difficult because because of the trauma, because of what we have left behind, and because of you know our hope vanished just in one night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I have a. Suspicion that your hope is not completely gone, even if it no. abrupt. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that, but um, you know, you you. I think you really expressed to me, and I very much understand you. You've expressed, um, you know, just so many levels of connection to Afghanistan, and despite the war, despite all of that, and really, you know, caring about the country and the people in it. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me because I, I share that. But if someone was like a non-Afghan and hearing you and thinking like, well, now she has safety, now she has uh, a roof over her head, and not in a negative way, but thinking like, why, what is there about Afghanistan? Like, what do you think you might, like, what comes to mind for you to say to someone like that, to say like, this would surprise you about Afghanistan. This is why I love it. This is something you might not know about Afghanistan. Does something come to mind? People are very nice, first of all, in Afghanistan. Just imagine, you know, even if I if I'm not an Afghan, just that I if I go once and visit that country, believe me, I would always want to be there. Yeah, the warmth. You know, but I I will tell you a story. Uh my family, just my father was in Kabul. Actually, I have uh, a very big family of a lot of uncles and aunts. So they were always coming to Afghanistan, even though uh, they have left like very long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was also a question. It was always a question for me, like, why do you want to be in this situation in Afghanistan? And why they really want to be here and we are here just because my father decided to be here so we are here and so i really didn't understand it back then because i was at school i was a child i mean things were not very clear for me but now i can understand their feelings the connection i i can see the connection now 
even I have I know a lot of uh, a lot of people who are not Afghan. Mm -hmm. Once they they have come, once they are in Afghanistan, they don't want to leave it. I don't know the reason. I really don't know. If maybe it's people, maybe it can be the landscape, you know, I don't know. But but people can make good connection with that country. Yeah, I agree. I mean there it's it I think it's one of those things that when you land there, you somehow feel it and understand it in a way that can't be explained if you've never been there. It's hard to tell people. I usually use words like it's got a special magic. It's got a special charm. It's got a special something. And you may have very intense, difficult experiences, but it's always balanced out by some really kind of um, different feelings that you can't find um, anywhere. You really can't find it anywhere else, or at least I can't find it anywhere else. But you're right. Non-Afghans as well usually come back even if they leave I'm too tired my job is terrible then they're back six months later because there is a special there is something very special about the country I think it's hard to explain that to people but I like for people to understand that we don't only love it because it's where we're from we love it for what it is yeah all my international colleagues they were they used to say Oh, it's so difficult to leave this country. You know, Kabul is something magical. Yeah. Especially they were talking about Kabul. I don't know why, but they loved Kabul so much. There, Yeah, you know, sometimes I, I wonder if I loved Kabul more or the provinces more. And I, I also got to travel a lot. But yeah, it, you can't compare them because they're different worlds and they're different parts of Afghanistan. They're 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 similar but different, and there is something very unique to Kabul that you will not find in any other capital city, for sure. Like you said, you think you talked about how when you arrived in, there was just mountains everywhere. There's not a lot of capital cities that yeah. look yeah, like that. Oh, I miss Kabul right now. <laughs> That was the whole point of our conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I know, but we do, you know, we do have to wait to see what happens. We do have to wait for when we can be back. And I know it's really important that we, um, I think, similar to you, I know you're con you're you're determined to continue your passion for um, supporting the people of Afghanistan and for um, continuing your plight to be involved in that. And I admire that very much. Um, is that is I guess, you know, what are some of your passions now that kind of keep you, keep you motivated and keep you wanting to um, be a part of the, the future? Uh, you know, for almost last two months, I stopped uh, watching a lot of news about Afghanistan. Yeah. And the reason is that, you know, it's it's you know not easy to to see how people are suffering there. It's very difficult as an Afghan and even as a human being. I I think uh, some people tell me that you are very lucky you are in Canada, but but you know still seeing people back home, they're suffering. They have a lot of problems. You know, human rights issues, of course, the women's situation, which is really 
annoying me right now, even when I think about it, even when I think, talk about some of my friends in Kabul. Yeah. Uh, but still, you know, thinking about how I'm able to help Afghans in this situation, not just Afghans, how to help humanity, yeah. how to help human beings or the mankind. So I think th that still uh, makes me or triggers me to continue living. That's because right. once once you leave your uh, home, mm -hmm. it, life is not easy. You can see how life can be harsh on you. But having that type of thinking, so it will make you keep moving. Yeah. And I love the way you said, you know, not only Afghanistan, but sort of all of humanity. And, and there's a, to me, there's a whole specific category of people who have lived or experienced or seen war. And they really are a different category. I think a lot of people can sympathize with war. But there is a real connection between those who have had it affect their everyday lives, um, whether they're from our part of the world or not. A lot of people are affected by conflict. And like the women you worked with are not, you know, directly in combat, but they're affected by so many layers of war, which include, you know, poverty and and um, and the war just generally comes with a lot more targeting of of women and of children I think we both we both know that that it makes things worse on so many levels so you you have a long list of people that I think you can relate to and I think it's good to remember that and um, have it keep motivating you and feeling less alone I'm personally very happy to have connected with you we are in the same city I hope we see each other soon yeah hopefully <laughs> It has been really, really wonderful talking to you. I wonder if you have any final things you'd you'd like to add um, in us getting to know you. It's been really wonderful to speak to you about your thoughts. Uh, thank you, Mina John. Well, actually, uh, I want to say something particularly about Afghanistan, especially to the international community. Let's not forget Afghanistan. You know, I know things are very different right now. Things are not easy for Afghans in Afghanistan. Uh, if it's economical situation, if it's girls' access to education, if it's women's access to you know economic opportunities, even men's access to economic opportunities, everything is really messed up right now. So my message is let's not forget Afghanistan and uh, let's always remember Afghans. Yeah, thank you so much. And I hope that that resonates with people. And I think through hearing you and your love for the country, I think that helps people connect more um, through hearing you. So thank you for that. That's really important. Thank you.